Always, always just winging it. Never a schedule or itinerary. <laughs> I have made like um, for like sometimes people pop in um, or I get people on uh, on the podcast that I'm like, hey, you know, like this person's kind of like important, like Cody DeQuisto hopping on or any of the hunting public guys popping on. Like I want to have like stuff set. So mm-hmm. I'll create these like little itineraries or schedules or questionnaires or whatever, like notes for myself to ask yeah and i like make it to the first one (laughs) and then it just like all goes out the door and then at the end of the podcast we'll shut it down it'll run an hour and a half two hours whatever and then i'll look back and i'll find that we answered all of my questions anyway and i didn't have to like do it in an interview (laughs) format or like make any hard transitions right right nice yeah nice so always winging it yeah way to go what's up everyone welcome back to the deer vein podcast i'm your host anthony heller got one of my best friends parker wash on and he recently killed a very large nine pointer which we are going to tell the story about um and how that all played out it's it's a unique scenario um in a few different sense senses which is the area he killed it the shot placement on the deer and how we found the deer it's all pretty cool plus the hunt itself was all right i suppose so, <laughs> so I got Parker on today, um, and we'll be going through that hunt before we get rolling. Um, the, uh, the vector custom shop vector arrows, they're having their rutmus sale, which is October 17th to like the 21st, I think, check it out. They're doing a big sale for arrows, um, arrows and all their gear and things like that. So go check out that website. Um, if you need some arrows, if you found some branches quote unquote that you didn't see that you were trying to squirt around uh, when shooting when shooting anything or whatever you lose them um go check those guys out check out look for look uh look for some more arrows with them if you guys are interested or if you just like their their if you do already have their arrows and you like their gear i think that's uh discounted as well so go check that out onyx maps of course like Go check out Onyx Maps. If you're not doing it right now, like pretty much anyone who has it is on it like every day. Like if you're before and after your hunt, like all you're doing is looking at that. And even during you're sitting there thinking I should have sat here based on the wind and these trails. Oh man, I should have sat here. You know, you're always planning out new spots, things like that. Go check out Onyx if you're not. Last but not least, Venado. Venado has some phenomenal like lifestyle apparel, but this year they have some really cool new stuff out and it's a lot of warm weather stuff. So today in Wisconsin, it was a high of 38 and it was snowing this morning um, and getting some good quality, thick, uh, thick clothing to wear out in these temps as we roll into November and December, even under some of your hunting clothing, you don't have to buy all those super thick layers that you have to spend, you know, $180 on. You can buy something a little bit nicer that you can wear in the woods and while you're taking your family to Walmart to pick up Halloween candy and buckets and all that fun stuff that you don't really want to do, but you do kind of want to do, but not really because you just have to do it. You know what I'm talking about, Parker? I know you know what I'm talking about. No, no, it's news to me. <laughs> yeah, right. You're probably like, <laughs> okay, honey, you go, you go pick up all that stuff. I will, um, I'll practice shooting my bow here for exactly. a little bit. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah go check out Venado if you guys haven't yet and uh with that those are a few announcements i do have a shop opening up it's not open right now i think it opens in like seven days or something 
Um, been working with a producer out of Wisconsin. He's getting shirts, hats, and hoodies. I He sent me a whole bunch of samples of them. We've been going back and forth on which ones we want, which ones we can get. And as you can imagine, supply chain woes are still in existence right now for some of that stuff. So like getting the hats and the colors, plus the shirts and the colors and the hoodies, like it actually, I can't believe he's like, okay, for these hoodies, I have these colors at this price and these colors at that price. And if you want them embroidered or whatever, it costs this. And it's like 50 different options. And it's like four different options for the same freaking hoodie, depending on what color you want and how you want it like stitched. So we've been going back and forth and figuring out all that stuff. But anyway, having a shop open up. So if you want to support me, uh, check out the website and right there, there's a link that says shop. And then you click on that. And then at the top, it'll give you like a countdown for when it actually opens up. Uh, I think it's opening in, like I said, seven days or something like that. I can't remember um, exactly, but I will have another announcement when it's finally finalized and, and open. So that is coming up. Um, and then is there anything else coming up? I'm finally going to be able to hunt. That'll be nice. The rut, man. Yeah, the rut is coming up. Yes, that is coming up. Scrapes. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about some scrapes, some scrape stuff today. The rut's rolling up. And I have, I've been been getting, I've gotten like six guys, which isn't a lot. um, But lately in the last like week, six dudes who were like, hey, how's your hunting season? And I'm like, non-existent. (laughs) It has not started yet. Um, My wife is a varsity volleyball coach. And this year, uh, with going elk hunting earlier, I have given her and having two kids now instead of one, I've kind of given her the leeway of like, okay, you get to the end of October and then I get to just like roll train in the woods pretty much until the end of November. So that's what we've worked out as a deal. Um, so I'm really excited to get out. Got a lot of cool bucks on camera. Um, been sharing those with Parker. One double main beam which he looks, we're going to call him shadow because his main beam, his two side looks exactly like each other. So we're calling him shadow and, and we calling him shadow beam. Parker's like, dude, that's some Lord of the ring shit there, <laughs> the shadow beam. And yeah, it is a little bit Lord of the ring shit, but you know, some days, you know, when you're walking through the woods and at the playground, you're, uh, you're feeling like you're in Mordor. So it's okay. <laughs> uh all right well let's jump into it let's talk to parker with those awful jokes out of the way let's get rolling parker kill the big one yeah man it's been a long time coming i think was uh yeah got her done four years been a dry dry four years <laughs> i think this is the fourth year 2019 okay. was the start of this whole nightmare. <laughs> Dude, I have not, uh, I'm not, I, I'm not opposed. I am in the same boat. I, you know, I think since we bought the playground, I have not killed. And yeah. that's kind of because like, I want to kill at the playground. And yeah. I've been very, oh, sure. and right. And my standards at the playground, the, for anybody not knowing the playground is, is what we call our land. Um, my dad gets out there, gets on a tractor and goes and plays. So we just called it the playground. Um, so yeah, my standards have been pretty high. Like last year I sent you that footage of that, like 130 inch, 135 inch, eight point passed him up. Cause he was a homebody, saw tons mm-hmm. of pictures of him. 
and he was at 20 yards walking right in. He actually got as close as eight, um, passed him up, but, uh, that was because he was a homebody and I was like, dude, he's going to be a tank next year. I've not gotten a picture of him. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, yeah. that'll teach me that. <laughs> um, no, I know exactly how that goes. Yep. Yeah. I mean, last year we had you, so last year we had you on the podcast to talk about Pope mm-hmm. and trying to chase mm-hmm. Pope, which was like 180 inch deer. Um, and did he end up getting winged last year? He got shot, didn't he? I'm ha- I'm fairly certain he got shot. I never saw pictures or anything. Um, basically, all I heard was through the farmer that someone that hunts basically there, right next to the farmer's house, shot a nice ten pointer, and it was I think it was the weekend following the last trail cam picture I got of him, which he was in a weird spot on the farm and heading kind of that way, if that makes sense. So like everything kind of aligned that it was him. And then literally like, yeah, never got another picture of him again. So kind of connecting the dots. I mean, pretty sure it was him. Yeah. Do you think, did he die or did he live? Yeah, the guy got him. Um, but like I say, I, I never saw pictures or anything. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. I thought you had like a picture of him, like with a gunshot wound, like in his leg. That was the year. That was the year prior. That was the year I found his sheds. <clears throat> oh, yeah. okay. Got it. Yeah. So that one, he, yeah. I mean, he basically looked like he was going to lose his leg. I mean, it was, it was nasty. And within weeks he had recovered and could barely tell. Huh. It, yeah, went from, it went from his leg almost dangling to just a small little black spot basically. <laughs> same that's wild yeah. yeah um so yeah we had parker on to talk about pope uh and chasing him last year and then you know this year was were you looking at you know another any other nice deer or were you what were your standards looking like this year yeah so <laughs> That was three years of a lot of frustrations that I basically went into this year with zero standards, literally. <laughs> I think I put uh, I put two trail cameras out, which normally I have more like eight or ten. Um, just just to kind of see, I put I put both of them basically in in one area that is typically my most successful trail cam area throughout the summer. Seems like every buck on the property will eventually show up there throughout July and August. So I, I just ran two cameras out there just to kind of see if anything, you know, real special would show up. And nothing really did, honestly. I mean, a couple of 130s, maybe a 140, and that was about it. Otherwise, you know, just a pile of basket racks and, and smaller deer. So I really, yeah, went into the season. I mean, I was ready to shoot a forky if it came by just, uh, <laughs> just, uh, and you know, throughout, I, I mean, I was, I say I was chasing Pope uh, and I was, I mean, I put a lot of time into him, but I also, you know, had missed two deer throughout the past four seasons. So it's not like I was dedicated to him. Um, so yeah, I just needed, I need a little redemption and just, uh, you know, get something down ultimately just kind of confidence booster really i'd kind of been 
beat up for the past four years. It was getting painful. <laughs> Jason Whitetail's getting beat up. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, I'm very, very similar boat. I haven't, uh, I haven't chosen to go the forky route yet. I did shoot a real small buck last year on the last day. Mm-hmm. Um, that's true. So I did shoot a real small buck last year on the last day. Um, came in last day of season, last light capped him, um, ended up losing him real bad to coyotes on un, mm. unsalvageable overnight, um, shot him and it was snowing out. It's all blood and everything, but he went further than I wanted to made it into kind of some thicker areas. And I didn't want to bump him or anything called the blood tracker. And he said, sounds like a lethal hit, give him overnight. It's five degrees out. He'll be fine. Go check him mm. in the morning. And I did. And I don't, it looks like a dozen coyotes got to him it was yeah wild. I, yeah, I mean there was what a little little bit of neck left and that was about it yeah it was wild i never seen that before um so <laughs> about a week later i bought a thermal scope <laughs> and uh and uh that is now the that is now one of the pastimes is there's a 223 and a thermal that hangs out at the playground when you hear coyotes you go out to we have this bluff and they're always down in the bottom. You can go out there and, and poke at a few if you feel like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least get a look. Huh? Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, other than that, yeah, I haven't really. I mean, we have um, we have a few really nice bucks on camera this year. Um, three, two, all three are like non-typical. One's got uh, a big time coming out of his G2. The other one has double drop tines and one of them has a whole nother main beam. So any of those, I'd be very thankful. And I do have pictures of that 11 point, some new ones. And he did one of those deer. He did not lose anything from velvet. Like, you know, all they get oh, yeah. spindly and skinny after they lose velvet. Yeah. I got yeah. him in the food plot right next to the cabin. Oh, nice. Yeah. Coming right, coming right up. And yeah, he's, He's just as big as I thought he was. He's a good one, good. probably in like good. the 160s. But um, but yeah, so let's let's hear about this nine. So I'm gonna I'm gonna set the stage a little bit for you. And then um, because I, I don't I don't want to have to I know I know a lot about this deer already. Um, but I also know a lot about the area and I and I've asked you to explain the pig pond 13 times. So <laughs> it's very difficult. So right, yeah, yeah. So um so Parker's hunting this, uh, Parker's hunting this deer and he's back in a corner. Actually, you know what? I am going to ask you. So, well, you've been hunting over and over at the, at the, at the ranch for a while for, I don't know, whatever, like the last few weekends. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. missed that one the weekend before at the rock pile, yep. different stand, different part of the farm. Why did you choose to go back to the pig pond? Yeah, so that's a a where I've been running those two cameras um, all season. So just looking at physical numbers of deer, like it's a pretty high deer numbered area. Um, you know, the, a, a lot of the rest of the property sees recreational pressure, not necessarily hunting. Uh, and actually, this year has been probably even lighter from a hunting standpoint, but. You know, camping, four wheeling, things like that. The, the, I'd say seventy-five to eighty percent of the property sees pretty high traffic, right? So the the pig pond is kind of cut off from a 
most of that. It's, it's still accessible, but you really got to kind of work to get back to it. And there's down trees right now that just, you know, no one's taking the time to kind of clean up all these. So in my eyes, it was, you know, a rather untouched spot. I'd, I'd hunted it one other evening earlier in the year that I actually had to climb out of the tree about 20 minutes before dark because a thunderstorm was rolling in, <laughs> which I wasn't too happy about, but had to kind of take my losses there. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, I mean, it was, it was a, it was a perfect win for, for that particular stand. I kept the stand up high. Um, you know, you kind of have options in that area to keep it up high on the ridge near the near the agriculture fields, or you can drop down into kind of a thicker, nastier bowl area, um, which I do like doing later in the season, kind of more towards the rut. But for 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 the morning, right? It was I mean, what was that October fifteenth or fourteenth? Mm -hmm. And we had um, it was a good cold front. Yeah, real nice cold front came through. I think that Thursday. Um, I hunted. I hunted that Friday night, just in a the, basically the farthest opposite corner of there of that farm, um, just to kind of put the feelers out and just see if anything was happening over there. It was also a really good win for that spot, and I saw a couple deer, but nothing, you know, ultimately nothing too crazy. So mm -hmm. that following morning, um, <laughs> actually wasn't even supposed to go. My wife was supposed to go, but uh, she was. She's been having a couple issues with her broadheads that uh I wanted to get her squared away kind of earlier in the week but ultimately we just never had the time to so instead of sending her out that Saturday morning and you know telling her to just aim right and then all of a sudden arrow hits exactly where you want it to go right we, we decided to maybe just wait on that and see if we could get her a little better squared away on Saturday um so yeah, kind of a last minute change up, but I got the green light to go ultimately and I, yeah, I hopped yeah. on it and and that was I mean for that wind on that farm, it, it you know, that's probably my number number one or number two choice at least. And then, you know, weather wise, it was a nice cold morning. Uh just seemed yeah, like a good yeah. morning to be out even in, in mid October, right? So yeah, no, I mean that makes that all like makes sense. So you just kind of picked it is a good spot that you already already known of. You just kind of wanted to get out there and you tried the other side of the farm the night before. Not a whole lot going on. So then you decided to kind of sneak on over there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah basically. Basically. Makes yeah. sense. And yeah. Um, if you think of for everybody listening, if you think of a property in the shape of like a backwards a backwards L, right? So the 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 hook is going to the left instead of to the right. Um, not the yeah, I mean a backwards capital L. So Parker would have been in the very bottom left corner of that L. Does that does that sound about right? Like of the property. I'm looking at it right now. On, <laughs> I mean, if you drew like a yeah, I mean. That's what I, that's what I envision it. Like if you're listening to this, like, sure. a, like, yeah. Cause I mean the stairway and the food plot and everything is to the North. And then you come down, you get into the big egg field, you hang a hard left, you head West. And then you're in that back corner right there. Okay. And, yeah. Right. Yeah. And it lays out with a big, how big do you think that egg field is like 200? That, that piece, um, 
Well, the one side of the ridge that we used to own is is 120 acres. So, I mean, there's a similar amount of side on the neighbor side, right? So it's a, yeah. basically a 240 acre ridge, if you can picture that. And the entire upper part of that is, is agriculture. And just basically just the sloped hillside all the way around is woods. Um, and then as you get into those bottoms, it kind of turns into um, really more like pasture, like set aside kind of grassland, uh, if, if, if that makes sense. So basically, if you picture a 120 acre chunk, 340s stacked on top of each other, I was hunting basically at the far edge of, of right going from third. east going from east to west you were on the far west end of that yes exactly. entering from the east coming all the way across and yep. then setting up on the west corner of it yep. and the other thing to note is in this west corner there is like a literally it's kind of like a square bowl where mm -hmm. the the ag field makes another hard corner um a hard 90 degree corner and parker is in that pretty much in that corner but it's an outside corner, not an inside corner. Yeah. And it drops down pretty steep, pretty quick. So it's like yeah. a bowl underneath you. So if you put a stand, like Parker was said, he, he was sit, sitting pretty high because he's like, what are you, 20 yards in or 30 yards in the wood line? Yep, 20 yards. 20 yards in, but he's putting a stand like 20 feet up and he's at like eye level with the field. Mm -hmm. So like yeah, that's, perfectly. yep. So like that's the, that's how you're looking at that. So then you can kind of see way down into that bottom when the leaves drop and you can still shoot that upper field. Yep. yep. Okay. And that, cool. that upper field on, on the, the chunk that we can hunt is, is still standing corn. Right. And then okay. the neighboring side was all hay and alfalfa kind of in the back, in the back 40 of it. And the front 80 was like a alternating you know, soybean corn, soybean corn. Gotcha. So, Okay. A little bit of a little bit of variety back in there. And then I mean, yeah, there's 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 oak trees basically everywhere. When I when I was tracking this deer, I mean it was basically walking on acorns when I was down in bowls. So it was uh, gotcha. kind of a food buffet for them, whatever they wanted, <laughs> they pretty much get it there. Corn, alfalfa, acorns, yeah. 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 And to just like die, detail this out just a little bit more, because when we get into the story, this is gonna make sense. If you picture a square 40 and then divide that square 40 into four quadrants, that upper left quadrant is woods and the rest is cornfield. And that upper left quadrant is that bowl that Parker's sitting in. So, and that's going to make sense when Parker starts to tell the story here, just so like you get, everybody can, can kind of listen in on that or like yeah. visualize that in your head. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right, so you get out there in the morning, nice, cold. And by the way, like October 15th, the morning of October 15th, a lot of deer hit the ground. Oh, yeah. Like a lot, there were a lot of dead deer. I mean, um, so if you look back, it is a red moon. It is two days after a cold front. It was a crisp, clear morning. Like there were a lot of Hard frost. Yep, hard, for one of the first. One of the first yeah. hard frost. Yeah. I mean- and then you also had um, October 15th, like the beginning of what I would call the pre-rut, like yeah. 12 to the 15th. Like that's when, like, if you have, if you run trail cameras 
all year on like on on transition areas or scrapes or anything like typically between the 15th and 20th is when like the bigger boys kind of start showing up right all of a sudden you're seeing deer that you've never seen before and maybe some daylight pictures but just a lot of all of it yeah it's like the switch kind of gets flipped on the amount of activity not necessarily all daylight but it seems like the amount of activity just goes through yeah and my cell cams like i was texting parker my cell cams were lighting up yeah like i have five on my camera or on our property and there's one area where there were three nice bucks just cruising around in the morning and then again in the evening um some of them before light or yeah some of them before light some after but anyway so you get out there make your way out there um did you and yeah you can run the story from here yeah yeah so (laughs) well i mean like you said i guess to kind of paint more of the picture this ridge runs east west i'm on the far west side of it and there's a west wind and it's actually like a like a decent amount of wind you know like mornings can be so calm sometimes this one like was was steady it wasn't blowing me around or anything but it was it was nice and steady which I mean that that area is pretty unbelievable with how swirly the winds can be, and it's 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 frustrating right at times. But yeah. uh, this was maybe one of the only times that I can say that I've hunted this area and the wind stayed the same the whole time. I don't know, I don't know <laughs> what happened, but that exact direction of wind that it was was just everything lined up right so the, the wind was blowing from me to the corn which i was fine with because i had to walk from the corn anyways to get in and again it's it's standing corn um and if anything was to walk the field edge uh basically to get downwind of me guessing from where where they would be coming from i would have been able to shoot them before they got at least a strong wind. <laughs> They could have got a little puff or something, but I, I was pretty confident that I'd be able to get a shot first. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, everything everything basically was working out. It was really good. I made it, I mean, 20 minutes before light probably. I didn't kick out any deer on the way in that I, that I saw. I mean, they could, have, they could have scooted out of there hundreds of yards away, and I never would have seen them. But nothing uh, – Nothing seemed like it was going against me, let's put it that way. Um, and it started off pretty slow, actually. I didn't, uh, didn't really have any action for the first, like, half hour of daylight. And it was probably about quarter after seven, rolled around. And all of a sudden, I just heard one of the loudest grunts I've ever heard in my life. I mean, he just, he basically just ripped one. And then, a, and then I heard a deer come sprinting through the woods, right? And I'm like scrambling, trying to a just get turned around to see and b grab my bow, right? Yeah. Was that like? Was it surreal to hear him grunt like that? Were you like, oh, what the hell was that? It surprised the hell out of me. Yeah, I mean, I but instantly it was like, oh my god, like new, you know, un, undeniable what was going on. You think yeah. it was a person? <laughs> <laughs> I guess, yeah, I've seen stranger things out there before, but you never know. (laughs) And I wish, I wish I would have known I could have, I, you know, in the future, we should go do that at Luke and Nick's property sometime. They're like five minutes up the road. They just got a new property, two brothers that we know, and they, they're going to go hunting that we should just pretend not during gun season. Cause those two, (laughs) those two would sling lead, but during bow season, 
<laughs> start just drawing bring, bring your rattling horns and just start going to town just over the roof <laughs> oh my god they would they would tell us that they saw 200 <laughs> inches going at it oh my god that'd be hilarious all right keep going sorry <laughs> so yeah um heard this grunt and then deer comes tearing through the woods from basically from the field edge to my north from the cornfield edge um and I get eyes on it and it's a doe and she's basically running at like quartering to me coming and she comes burning by like 20 yards away. I'm like, okay, like I would have shot her if I had the chance, but she's gone. So <laughs> what the heck is pushing her, you know? So I'm waiting and waiting and multiple times I couldn't, I couldn't see the, couldn't see the buck yet. Um, Multiple times, though, he would grunt on that on that field edge, and I heard him snort wheeze once. And I don't know if he sat there and was making a scrape. I never actually went and looked. I should have. But, you know, I could tell he was about 50 to 60 yards away. There was kind of an area where I couldn't see any of the field edge. And anything farther than that, I would have been able to catch glimpses, you know, if he was walking away. And obviously, if he was coming closer, I would have been able to see him. Was but he, he just like, kinda... was the grunt, was there any like, I don't know how to explain this, but like, you know, it's not that often that you hear a lot of grunting in the woods. Like sometimes you do when they're really close and they're just like, bat, 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 yeah. you know, but like, was there any, like with him being that loud, was he just like, bah, or was he like, bah, 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 or was he it doing was... any sort of pattern or anything? No, not a pattern, I'd say. I mean, it was single single grunts, but there was definitely some, like, emotion with him, right? Like, just, right. and kind of would, like, trail high off at the end. And he kept doing, like, that same type of grunt. And, and, and right. my best guess is there was another buck farther down the field edge towards that other corner that mm. I just never never saw or never could see right because i mean he snort wheeze like a straight up herd and snort wheeze yeah which, what'd that sound like <laughs> i mean just a straight little like just that's little, it it was just that and then drags out the last one. Oh, he did yeah oh yeah i mean yeah like it was a, it was a definite like oh yeah that was for sure snort wheeze okay. and uh and so, yeah, I mean, I just, I just waited, um, waited it out and he never moved. Like he, he would, he would grunt from that same spot. And this went on for, I mean, I don't know, felt like a minute. Right. So, well, it was probably, yeah. a minute. felt longer. Felt like um, 10 minutes, probably exactly. went on for 45 seconds. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. And eventually he dropped down in the woods where that, where that doe came through or where the doe where I saw her mm -hmm. drop into the woods. So I got my first glimpse of him and immediately I was just like, oh, like, no doubt shooter. Like if my, if my standard was fork, this is like, uh, you know, exceeding expectations. So. <laughs> uh, and, you know, he was just slowly, slowly moving, but I knew there was a trail in that general area. And I have basically the, the main trail that I was kind of hunting in this area it actually runs parallel with the field and it it actually ends up about 10 yards below my stand um but farther to the north that trail intersects with the trail that this deer was on 
Okay. So I, I was fairly confident that he was going to come down that trail. It's where the doe came through. It's where he's heading. So I was ranging kind of up ahead of him. Um, kind of looking for, looking for a, a first pocket. Like if, if things go South and he's all of a sudden not interested in this doe, like where, where can I even shoot? And then be like, okay, where exactly did that doe come through? Because my best guess is he's going to be following. And it, it was 24 yards where, where it, uh, where it intersected the, the main trail. And I actually had like a nice big shooting lane going to that spot. So that would have been the ideal spot, right? But then I was kind of scrambling to yeah. look for backup plans at the same time. And there was, it's kind of one of those, like, if you ever have a buck, like, coming at you, and I feel like it's, it for whatever reason, is more common with older deer. Like, when they're not in a rush or anything, I feel like they change directions just, like, constantly they, they like you know they kind of mosey for like five feet and then stop and smell something over here and it's like oh he's going away he's going away and then he you know he keeps coming on the same trail and i feel like he did that because i mean i drew back i drew back twice ultimately but the first time i had him i had him in a pretty good hole at about it was like 27 28 yards and i grunted at him to stop and he never he never stopped he never really even i don't think he heard me and he he just kept coming, so I let down, and he hit another trail, actually, that I didn't even know was there, that would have taken him basically away from me, kind of like quartering away, but like he had zero shot at it, and he he made it seem like he was going to go down that trail, and I was son of a bitch. <laughs> but eventually, he just, he kept coming uh, after that, on that same doe trail, so right before he got to my my main lane i drew back everything was perfect he got into that hole and i grunted pretty loud at him to stop that time and he stopped right there and i mean i settled my pin and and let her go and when i shot it i mean i saw it hit him i heard it hit him i was like if anything is a hair back maybe a hair low but like he he tore off down the hill and it was it's still real leafy where we're at. And I mean, I lost sight of him after probably 20 yards and then I didn't hear him either. So I was kind of, you know, I waited for a couple minutes, just listened as close as I could. I, I had my binos out. I was trying to look for him. Never saw him, never heard anything. Didn't really know what to think, right? And, <laughs> and you were it, shooting, you shot a lighted knock, right? You shot a nocturnal? Yep. So, so you, I mean, like I say, I, I watched that knock basically hit him, and I heard, like, that kind of pumpkin-y, you know, thump, like, maybe not pumpkin but, like, good sound, right, when, when you yeah. hear it. And I, I, everything about it had me feeling pretty good about the shot but then in the back of my mind i'm sitting there going i swear i saw this exact same thing last weekend <laughs> on a met. similar size deer <laughs> and when i grabbed my arrow there wasn't the, the hair on the ground not a drip of blood nothing so i, I had, was just full of doubt at the same time i didn't know what that was. <laughs> was a little bit of a emotional ride there mm-hmm. but uh yeah i mean i gave him I gave him 45 minutes. I was going to play it safe. Like I say, I didn't, I didn't know if he only went 30, 40 yards and was dead or laid down or I, 
backpack. I didn't know. Didn't know anything really. Yeah. So, uh, um, question: Were there like, is this like a known like, is this like a known pre-rut area for you, or is this just like just a general all-around good area that you like to hunt? Are there is... scrapes in the area that you thought might be hit or not, or? no scrapes or yes scrapes or yes rubs bedding areas like yeah. what kind of about this area like brought you to it besides mm -hmm. it couldn't be a good spot and it's low pressure yeah no to to me it it's a historical area it's okay year after year i mean the trail cameras are just on fire back in here but it's a difficult area to hunt right i mean you got to walk through the egg to get to and from your stand, you know, if you're hunting in the morning, hunting in the evening, like oftentimes you're you're blowing deer out. The wind starts swirling before you even get into the woods most of the time. But it's that bowl, it's a nasty thick bowl. There's some treetops down in it that they're, I mean, often, often, often deer are bedding in there. There's a couple of big ridges that basically surround that bowl that also very good bedding areas. Like everything kind of lines up for it to be a, a heavily used area by deer. And then it is a phenomenal squirrel hunting hole too. Oh man. One of the best. Yeah. <laughs> don't be, don't be giving those, those hot tips out though, because <laughs> oh, there's, there's a lot of walnut trees in there that yeah, squirrels hammering. Um, we pulled like seven out of there from the same spot that one year. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Hardly got even. <laughs> um, All right. Yeah. I mean, good bedding, thick cover, um, food. Yeah. Were there, are there scrapes in there? I mean, you never, there, checked, but I, I didn't know it, but there were, um, there was rubs that I could see from my stand, which I saw the first time I sat there that right. were you know, within 20 yards of me. That's the other thing with that spot is <laughs> right now, like it's so leafy. And I mean, by the time you see a deer and a lot of times you, this time of year, you don't hear them coming in. Right. But by the time you see a deer, they're basically in shooting range. So it's like the times whenever I have hunted there early season, it's like the deer that you see I feel like are only a small, small picture, right? Like there could be, there, there could have been a handful of other deer at 50 yards that came through that you never even saw. And last year I noticed that I ran four cameras. I mean, that, that back end of that woods can't be 10 acres, right? I had four cameras in there. And one day I was sitting down in that bowl and watched like, I think it was like five different bucks on one evening hunt. And not a one of them walked in front of one of my trail cameras. So it's like, it's just one of those areas that, I mean, it screams deer, but it's very hard to hunt. Got and it. that, that morning I just had the hunch that that was the place to be. Yeah. And, and yeah, really, I mean, did I have real time data to go there? No, but it was just a, a historical time and time again kind of thing really yeah good wind good spot good morning good morning no and that i mean that that can be like i i'm not uh i'm glad you didn't like make some shit up <laughs> to make it make it make sense and 
And to reiterate, I mean, uh, my standards were zero. So <laughs> I wanted to go to the the highest likelihood area of seeing a deer. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> right? No, dude, that's fair. And I and I think people um once you find really good spots, you just like you pack them away and on specific winds and things like that and times of year you're like yep, I can just go here and it's very likely that I'm going to see one. I know I have spots like that on the public. I know I have spots like that out at the playground. Um, and I know a lot of, I've talked to a lot of other people who are like, yeah, man, I've scouted this, you know, whatever, 300 acre piece. It holds four good spots. I marked them right wind, right time, right place. It'll all line mm -hmm. up. I have faith in it. I don't yeah. need to put cameras there. I don't need to know what's going on. I just know that it's a good area. Right. 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 And at one point you did put cameras there and like last year you had four cameras there and the years before you had multiple cameras. So historical data is mm -hmm. like, don't need to, don't need to like chase that area down anymore. I know it's good. Yeah. I just have to yeah. put in the time at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, the, having the four cameras there last year, I, I mean, I peppered that area hoping it would teach me. Right. And if anything, it made it more confusing. <laughs> I, it taught I you that there still, is no pattern. I still just don't understand it, but yeah, it is. It's okay. a special spot. It's a special <laughs> spot. <laughs> right. All right. So um, shoot the deer, heard the pop, pretty happy with it. You were saying you gave it 45 minutes. Yep. Yep. And then basically crawled down went uh i went super light shed some layers tried to just be stealth right no no pack on my back nothing mm -hmm. um walked straight to the arrow found it found, i actually looked at it with my through my binos first just to like see if i could see anything uh you know jump yeah. out at me and it looked good so i went when grabbed it gave it the sniff test couldn't tell anything off of it you know it, it wasn't like it wasn't like heavily 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 coated in blood but like definitely it was very bloody arrow it's like everything is lining up with what i saw here like this is a dead deer right mm -hmm. so i left the, the only thing that concerned me was i didn't find any like any impact i don't think i found any impact blood i found hair and it took about probably 10 or 15 feet before I found any blood. So that was, that was kind of my first, like, huh, that's weird, you know? And what are you shooting, are you shooting for a bow set up and arrows and stuff? Just uh, so people can keep that. Yeah. I mean, 65 pound Matthews, uh, BXR, nothing super duper crazy with the arrows. Um, oh my God. What are they called? The black Eagle rampages mm -hmm. and i do have the outserts on those uh if, if those are 100 grain or 60 grain or they're a little bit heavier right than a traditional insert and then just 100 grain broadhead iron wheel broadhead so gotcha kind of meant for penetration right i mean i i went with that setup basically for elk hunting and then just carried it over this year into my deer setup um yeah i just want to like lay that out so people have an idea like first question i always have is like when people hit something and they're like hey i hit 
here. I didn't get any blood or blood looks like this. Yeah, yeah. Did you get two holes? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, you did. And what did you shoot? Like what type of broadhead are you shooting? Right. 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 Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, compared to some heads out there, this head is probably considered small, right? It's, it's not their like wide series or anything. It's just their, their I think it's a, their solid series, hundred grain double bevel um with, with two little bleeder blades um yeah nothing not some kind of big hole setup it's definitely a pass-through setup right mm-hmm. um but yeah so I, I mean i basically i started tracking on onyx left my arrow stuck in the dirt to just kind of have a reference point and was pretty much just following footprints um you know for the first like say 10, 10, 15 feet before I found like a drop of blood. Okay. Yes. This is definitely where he went and just all like basically as slow as I could kind of contain myself was following this trail and the whole time kind of looking down into the bowl, looking out ahead of me, just trying to see if he was still alive, if I'd be able to get a glimpse of him first, which almost never pans out. Right. But I was on my toes. Mm-hmm. And, and we're telling this we're we're telling this story because it has a uh it has a crazy kind of a really cool ending so for everybody listening like that's why we're like walking through these details so much because this yeah. can really help like if you shoot a buck this year or a doe or anything and you're like trying to find it this can really help you out so like that i just want to preface that's why we're that's why we're talking through this yeah yeah spoiler alert it was very anatomy wise very interesting Things happened, in my opinion. <laughs> I still can't quite explain, but I'll do uh, do my best. Um, so yeah, I mean, basically stuck to this trail, and he basically he he was kind of angling down the hill towards. There's a there's a four wheeler trail that runs straight up and down the hill and pops out basically five yards from where I was sitting, uh, or it goes by me about five yards. And he got on that four-wheeler trail, and I'm assuming, and I again, I couldn't see anything down below me because it was so leafy. And this was only 30 yards from my tree stand. And turned and just started going straight down the four-wheeler trail. And about the time he hit that road is when he started bleeding pretty strong, where I was, I was feeling pretty good at that point. And actually, later on... <laughs> Later on, I found I lost one of my fletchings um, when I hit him ultimately. And I found the third fletching in the road, basically right where he hit the road. So I think that fletching may have been blocking the exit hole or something. And when it came out, it released, you know, more blood at least. Sure. Um, So... He turns and starts going down the road. I'm following. I'm following the trail. Uh, one thing I'm noticing on on if you picture a deer trail that he's following, on the his left side, the the blood is pretty heavy and has a lot of bubbles in it. Right, like pretty clear indicator it was a lung hit. The right side, not any bubbles really, but still a pretty decent amount of blood. I could, you know. I, which side was was his entry side? Entrance was on his left, exit was on his right. Okay. I didn't I didn't think it was like dark enough to look like, you know, 
liver blood or anything like that. It definitely wasn't like super bright and pinky or like bright and pink. Um, it wasn't frothy. Like a lot of like good double lung hits, it'll be more frothy. These were the, the, the side with bubbles was like decent sized bubbles, maybe like, like pencil eraser size bubbles, but like piles of it, physical piles of bubbles laying on the ground that I, you know, I'm now seeing 10 yards out ahead of me and I'm sitting there going, man, he's done. You know, he's going to be right here. He's going to be right here. And every five yards, I'm thinking he's going to be right here. And I follow, I follow the, the trail down the road for, I don't know, 50 yards. So we'd gone, or I'd gone probably 80, 80 to 90 yards at that time. And then he actually turned and started heading right into the bowl, basically at the bottom of, bottom of that four-wheeler trail. And down there, there's like an old dried pond that has some like pretty tall berms around it. Um, and he headed right through the middle of that pond. It's completely dry at this time. And then up and over the berm. And I can see the blood, you know, kind of going. But I can't see anything on the backside of that berm. So I'm going, okay. I've already gone, say, 100 yards. By the time I get to that berm, it's going to be 150 yards. He's got to be laying right on the backside of that berm. And if he's not, I'm getting out of here. Like something, something's not right, right? Like the amount of blood that I'm seeing, he's got to be dead close. And if he's not, I don't know, I'm missing something, but I got to give him some time. So I, I get to the berm, I go, poke my head over, and there's nothing. I mean, there's blood. There's I can clearly see where he went into the bowl. And again, just piles of like this bubbly blood, <clears throat> but no deer. And it, it at that at that point in the bowl, it's still somewhat open. You can see thirty yards. You know, if if there was a white belly, you'd see it. Um, but yeah, I couldn't see anything. I had my binos out. I was scanning the hillside, just kind of looking for anything, right? But I yeah, I I backed out at that point, and that was um, I don't know, maybe eight thirty. <clears throat> Yeah, and told myself I was going to come back at noon, thinking, okay, I got probably got one lung in the liver. Yeah, hopefully, at that point, I was just thinking, hopefully, he didn't see me. He's got to be either in this bowl or up on that hillside, and I just hope he did not see me and spook out of there. And I just never saw him. Right. So we had this whole time you were doing that. Parker, we're all part of a Snapchat group, our, our group of buddies, and we were having a conversation and someone was like, someone said, check the arrow and then go 20, 30 yards. And if you can't, if you don't find him back out. And I responded, I was like, who the fuck only goes 20 to 30 yards? <laughs> it's like, it's like, oh, just go five more yards. Oh, just go yeah. 10 more yards. Oh, yeah, just, yeah. I, I, I can see 30 yards. I'll go up to where I can't see anymore. Right. And all of a sudden you're like 150 yards out and you're like, shit, I've gone too far. I need to get out of here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it takes no time at all. I mean, if you're tracking yourself, it takes no time at all. And you're at a hundred yards. Well, right. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah. And to me, like one of the, a really eye-opening piece um, that one of my buddies, Mark Sazeski, said is like, dude, when we find elk and their double lung hits, it's under 100 yards. 
Oh, yeah. Like when you when you talk to most guys who double long a deer, most of the time you're under 100 yards. If it's mm-hmm. not, if you're not finding him on under 100 yards, like something funny happened. Yeah. Like you didn't yeah. get both lungs. You got one lung. You got a liver. Like something weird is going on. Yeah. And then that like to me indicates like 100 yards is the like for me, 70 yards is the cutoff. Like I'm out. Yeah. Like if he's yeah. not dead right there, like I'm out. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, in, in, in hindsight, I mean, I was kind of looking at it after the fact, right? This is, this might be the first year I've shot where I really just didn't know. Like, there's been, I've shot a lot of, or I've, I've shot some deer, straight up heart shots, like 100% was confident in it. And been on very minimal blood trails, but like at night or whatever. But I push on, follow and drop, drop, drop. And yeah, 75 yards, there's the dead deer. Like, but this blood trail was like one of the heavier blood trails I've been on. And in the back of my mind, I'm still thinking like, I don't know. Like it, it like I didn't hear him go down. I didn't see him go down. I literally have no clue what I'm getting into. But I'm like, but it wasn't a gut shot. Like it wasn't back far enough. It wasn't, but like it definitely wasn't a double lung at this point, right? Yeah. It was. It was a very just like weird. I was going through some like weird mental like battles, right? Yeah. Like, Want to push on so bad, but at the same time, it's just yeah, something happened. Something weird happened that I didn't see. Oh, right. My, my big that I, this is, I'll never forget this is, and this is a huge tip that I can provide is, is more blood doesn't equal good hit. Like that is, there's no correlation there. Literally zero, like a shit ton of blood. So last year, my uncle shot a buck with his crossbow and pouring blood, like headlamp, headlamp on at night not even look like looking as far as the headlamp can look. And I'm just following blood, like just pouring. And we never found that deer still never Mm -hmm. found that deer, like comb the hillside where he went, never found that deer. I know where we bumped him. He bedded down and and I was like, Oh yeah, he probably bedded here until he saw us. Then he got up and left. But, and after talking to Tim kill blood tracker guy, uh, Tim was like, yeah, hundred percent. Like, a lot of blood is, is sometimes not good. Like a lot of that might be a muscle hit and he's just pumping blood, but it's a non-lethal hit. He's just losing mm-hmm. a lot of blood, right. you know? And right. so like, there's there, like, a, I just want to say that like a lot of blood does not mean good hit. And you might have a great hit double lung, but you're getting double high lung and all that blood is pouring into the cavity. And right. you're getting like very little out. And then when you mm-hmm. cut them open, it just pools and pours out, yeah. you know, gallons just pour out. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. That's entirely possible. So for everybody out there, like when you shoot a buck or a doe or whatever this year, like if, I think, I think that's the rule of thumb that I now have is like essentially 75 to hundred yards. Or if you're getting to that point, like back out, yeah. or if you're unsure at all, like just, just leave it be because if he's dead, he's dead. Right. That's yeah. that's the thing I always go back to. If he's dead, he's dead. Like you got nothing to worry about unless you're really concerned about coyotes. Um, but other than yeah. that, you know, yeah. Yeah. So just yeah, kind of throwing the, that one out there. 
the way I remember reading, I think I read it. I don't remember if it was an article or if there was a, a YouTube video on it or something, but like imagine taking a two liter bottle of blood and in a hundred yard stretch, you have to empty that two liter bottle, right? Like it's going to look like a lot of blood by the time you're done with that. Like if, if you were following that blood trail, you'd be like, oh man, yeah, great blood trail. But I think like, I forget the exact numbers, right? But I think that's like a third of the blood in a deer. So like they can lose that amount of blood and still get through. I mean, they're probably not going to be feeling the best, but like they're going to, they could pull out, right? Or pull out. Yeah. So I don't know. No, it's true. That makes sense. I've I seen, mean, yeah, like I say, I've seen some, some straight up heart shots that are just like dripping blood, you know, in like a small steady stream and the deer runs 50 yards and dies. And then, yeah, you open them up and it's like, whoa, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think that's, I think that's something that just, we all need to be reminded of, especially when you don't shoot deer in years <laughs> like us, <laughs> you know? Yeah. it's always nice to go on a blood trail or talk to a talk to a blood tracker so that they can like refresh your memory right <laughs> yeah, exactly to be doing here exactly <laughs> all right so back out come mm-hmm. back come back to the cabin and it's you said you were going to go back in at noon you shot him at like yep. 7 15 or something like that yep yep so he'd had i mean yeah five and a half five and a half hours no, my math sucks. Five hours. Uh, by the time we got back out there, I went out there with my wife and, and my buddy Luke and was trying to just, again, take it super slow, super calm. Um, and it was it was really windy out, which I think helped, but it was also very dry at that point. So like the blood, like dried blood on dried leaves, like kind of blends in a little bit more. I think mm-hmm. sometimes, like it was, it was more difficult to find. Eventually, eventually find you know, drips of blood. But we we resumed basically right at the berm, right. And and while we're walking in, both of them are going, "Oh, like man, this is a dead deer. He's got to be in this bowl. Like, oh my god, I've never seen so much blood." Yada yada yada. So we get to the bowl or get to the berm, cross it. And, and I could clearly see like 10 yards out, there was another just, I mean, I, when I first saw it, I literally thought it was his lung laying in the ground. It was a keeping pile of bloody bubbles. And that was the last, you know, I could visually see that before I backed out. So I walked right up to that. It's like, oh yeah, like, like, look at this man. He's gotta be right here. And literally after that spot, it just went to drip, 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 maybe every five or 10 feet, right? And it's like the farther we went, the farther, more spread out the drips got. And we, it took us, uh, I got to put my timeline together now. It took us at least an hour to go another 40 yards. I mean, in that we're in the bowl now, which has trails. I mean, the trails are everywhere. Right? Every time you hit an intersection, it's like, oh, he could have gone this way, this way, this way, or this way. Like, okay, you go that way. I'll go this way. You go this way. And it seemed like every single trail intersection that we were at, we were doing that. And then 
we'd look for 10 minutes and then finally someone would find a little tiny schmear, you know, like on a stick, like at, you know, waist height or whatever. Yeah. And it, it just was, it was brutal. In that 40 yards, did he just keep going straight or did he make some turns? He, yeah, I mean, you gotta, he was, he was following the contour of the bowl, I would say. Okay. So he kind of stayed at elevation, but he did wrap Initially, he wrapped right and then circled to his left. Okay. He followed that hole around. Got it. Uh, and ev- but eventually, we found a bed, and it was right kind of in a tree, a down tree. Um, really, was not a lot of blood in it. There was some hair, but you could tell it was just like some smeared blood and kind of some flattened leaves. And I was going, man, you know, like, and we struggled to find that even. We got, we got hung up in another treetop where it's like, I don't understand how he went through this. There's no blood on any of the trails that go around it. Like, it just didn't make sense. And then we basically stumbled on that bed. So I'm still not really sure what happened there, but long story short, couldn't find blood leaving that bed. We took basically every possible option for maybe 15 or 20 yards, <clears throat> just looking for anything. And there was nothing. There's literally not a speck of blood. And I was real hesitant to go much beyond that. I didn't want to, like, looking back at the berm from the bed, I'm like, we're still very close to where he was bleeding really good. Like we have not gone far. It's just taken us forever to get here. I didn't want to mess up anything beyond that. Keeping in the back of my mind, actually your conversation or your podcast with the blood trail. So I was like, I want to leave that as an option. I don't want to start grid searching yet and just muddy this whole thing up. I want to go back and just at least make a phone call. Maybe they can't get out here till tomorrow. Maybe they're going to say no. I don't know. But I want to at least. Yeah. And you kind of trailed off a little bit, but for a blood tracker, getting a dog a out trailer. there. Yeah. Yep. Sorry. No, it's cool. Um, so we backed out again. And it, it was probably about quarter to two. Um, basically, by the time we got back up to the top of the hill, I made a phone call to a guy that I'd actually. <laughs> I saved his contact info in my phone from when I had Facebook like four or five years ago. That was like, I thought at the time he was called Iowa County blood trackers or something like that, but he's actually like spring Valley blood trackers and made the phone call. He was, he had just gotten back. He said he just got back from out West and I was kind of like, Oh, like, okay. And I assumed he was like out like Colorado or something, you know? Right. And he was like, ah, like, eh, kind of him and it on a little bit. He was asking, you know, about the hit, about the blood, about how far we gone, things like that. He was not very confident that it was going to be a dead deer. He was, he, he, he did, you know, from the, from what I was telling him and what he was able to piece together with that, he was thinking it was a non-lethal hit, but he was like, all right, I'll come text me the address. I'll text you an ETA. That was it. I had no clue if that meant 10 o'clock tonight or, or 20 minutes from now, you know? Right. Okay. Okay. Well, it's an option at least. Right. So 
And for so, anybody who's never called a blood tracker, again, I talked to Tim on this and I've called a blood tracker a couple of times. Um, they ask you a whole bunch of questions. Like they have like a list of questions essentially in their head that they ask you. How far did you shoot him? What type of broadhead did you use? Where do you think you hit him? What type of blood did you see? How far did you track him? Um, what was on the arrow? What did it smell like? They ask you all these questions. And then based on that, they give you like a, an idea. They're like, like this guy said 50-50. Like, I don't, I'm not very confident, but could be good. I don't know. And they'll tell you because it is really bad if the blood tracking dog does not find the deer that mm -hmm. is that is what they're trying to avoid they're trying to avoid a not having their dog find the deer and like having them go on a wild goose chase for six hours and b they're also want to they want to find they want their dog to find deer so they're not when when and you'll allude to this later but when these guys get on when you have great days like October 15th, these guys get 50 phone calls in a day. Yeah. Right. So like, so these guys are getting all these calls and they essentially get to pick like, Oh yeah, that sounds like a lethal hit. It sounds like a great hit. And, and the best part, the thing that you can do is don't even don't lie to them at all. Tell them exactly how it is, exactly how you feel it is and tell them what you found, send them, take pictures of the arrow, take pictures of the blood, all that kind of stuff. So you can send it to them. And then they can then make an assessment and decide what they need to do or what you should do. That's the best way to do it. And even, um, even to that extent, we had Parker, I, I called Tim and had Parker talk to Tim as well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and second opinion. Yep. Just to get a second opinion. Like the first guy gave him a 50, 50 and said, yeah, I'll be there, but you know, I'm not sure. Um, 50, 50 chance. And Tim also said, yeah, man, 50, 50. I know that other tracker. He's a great tracker. He's been on more tracks than I have. I'm going to give you mm -hmm. a 50, 50 based on what you've told me. So, yeah. um, but I looked at Parker. I was like, dude, the positive thing he's coming, which is yeah. good. like, that's yeah. a very good sign. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Cause I, I, I texted him the address at two o'clock and I was having some real issues with service. And I think he was too, because like my, it would show my text like went through and he had an iPhone. So it shows, you know, when it's delivered, it would show it went through, but then like, it wouldn't show that it was delivered, which means that he has shitty service where he's at. <laughs> so it was this like painful, like 15 minutes of like, dude, when are you coming? <laughs> and all of a sudden I got a text. He goes, okay, I'll be there just before three o'clock. It's like, Oh, perfect. You know, we're going it in, in an hour or less than an hour. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, long story short, he showed up. I took him back out to where um, where the blood basically hit the four-wheeler trail. And he took one of his dogs. And, I mean, I mean, it was incredible. This dog, it never, like, went, like, crazy excited. You know, like a bird dog gets birdie. Oh, like, okay, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. In the 45 minutes we were waiting for the dog, that was an incredibly awkward 45 minutes. Of us trying not to tell you or trying to tell you to be confident, but also being like, fuck, it's, I don't know if he lost this deer. Like, this deer's gone, <laughs> yeah. man. Like, it's yeah. just like, all yeah. of us, we like, we, when you pulled in on the four-wheeler, we like stood around the four-wheeler for 10 minutes. Then we moved to a truck bed for like 10 minutes. <laughs> and then we moved to another truck bed 
for like yeah. 10, 15 minutes. Then we should that I think I might have thrown an arrow or two. And then like, oh, look, all the kids are running around. And we're just like trying to avoid the conversation of like, what the fuck's going to happen? Uh, when they got away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Just trying like not to like make right. you feel awful. <laughs> right. And, and And to reiterate, this is coming off of the weekend prior missing potentially the same deer but like an equal caliber deer <laughs> so like already on a roller coaster ride and now it's at the bottom yeah, <laughs> bottom yeah, yeah. all but right so anyways, sorry continue yeah. you got out you got out back to the spot with the dog yep. um yep. go ahead and i mean like i say this dog it it like i didn't know what to expect right i'd never I'd never done one of these and it was this small little hound um yeah like i don't know he never <laughs> he never like got birdie and all excited so i was like i don't know if this is good or if this is normal like he's kind of just walking down the road which happens to also be right where the deer walked down right but like he'd kind of smell some blood and like wag his tail a little bit and it's like yeah that seems <laughs> seems good you know and basically the guy was just like yeah you could do whatever just don't go in front of the dog just stay behind the dog i'm just gonna Did stay he... behind you right did, yeah <laughs> did he ask you like where'd you hit like where are we going like i mean a little bit it was kind of like where are we going um you know how far did you make it what was the blood like is there any water around you know i think that was more like should he bring his hip boots <laughs> oh, okay. but uh yeah just kind of picking my brain on stuff like that but then basically once the dog was on the trail it's just like they were just following the dog yeah. seems pretty legit all right like <laughs> and this dog may basically made it to that bed in five minutes probably less than five minutes i'm like okay and it got confused around the bed you could tell he was kind of circling he'd go down a trail and all of a sudden he'd be coming back into the bed and i'm like man this is like we messed it up just by you know, we had three of us in here kind of doing the same thing. And finally, the dog picked a trail, and it happened to be the same trail that we walked out on because I figured it was not the trail that the deer took. It was, like, kind of back towards the pond almost and, like, away from the direction of travel it was going. So I was kind of like discouraged at that point, actually being like, oh, man, it's probably just like smelling blood that was on our boots or or something, you know. But then it hit the four wheeler trail and basically did a 180 degree, 120 degree turn and started going the way that like seemed right. right? Like in my eyes. Yeah. And the whole time just nose of the ground, wagging his tail. Okay, here we go. This is good. And ultimately what I wanted to get from this is just like, what direction did this thing come? So if I'm going to grid search, like it'd be nice to dial it in. right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that dog kept going down this four wheeler trail then. And the wind was blowing. I should say the wind was blowing still from the West and like the hill slopes down to the West. That makes sense. Um, and the dog eventually kind of hit this spot where I knew it was like a pretty good fence cross. And there's, there's an old fence line right there that is a, is a historically a, a really good fence crossing. Right. And it hit that trail and went right to the fence. 
And the wind this time is blowing from down below us right to the dog. And that dog started pacing back and forth along that fence, nose straight up in the air, just wagging his tail. And I'm like, okay. And the guy looks back at me and goes, she smells that deer. I was like, like the deer or like some fresh sign? He's like, no, the deer. He's like, it's going to be right down there. I was like, oh, well, let's go, dude. <laughs> like, what, what's for? get that thing over the fence, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and uh, we cross that fence, and it kind of it's uh, on the other side of that fence. There, it's kind of actually open. It's like an old, it's kind of like cattle pasture, roady, but neither of those. <laughs> it's just open, right? And then it turns into like multiflower rows after like twenty yards, and that deer was five yards in that multiflower rows, just dead, or he'd been dead for a long time ultimately and as soon as basically as soon as the dog went into the multiplier roads like there i looked and i could see it laying there and i was like holy shit like he's right there <laughs> way, you know and it was only gosh, I don't know, 60 or 75 yards from that bed maybe okay. and i don't know and don't know what happened if I if I if I jumped him when I first trailed down or if he just bedded down that first time if he got sick and then stood up and walked and then that's as far as he made it after that I I don't know but ultimately I mean when I opened him up his his intestines basically were cold already and his chest cavity was still warm but I mean you kind of expect that be yeah. probably the last thing to cool down so he'd been dead sometime it was not it definitely was not uh recent in recent hours yeah yeah no yeah. man and so like he did when <laughs> when that dog was pacing back and forth nose in the air like i'm sure you you were kind of like excited and did he just like blank stare at you like oh he smells the deer i mean he was kind of he was smiling but he was like he's like that dog smells that deer i'm like Okay, like, are you waiting for something? Like, should I go back <laughs> and get my bow? Like, what's going on? Right. And he yeah. was just like, no, no, it's dead right up here. <laughs> yeah, she smells that deer. Like, yeah. it was basically like, yeah, man, that deer's going to be right there. It's like, <laughs> not what I expected to hear, but I am extremely happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah. And to Parker's point earlier, he had been out west. He wasn't out west in Colorado. He was out west tracking yeah. other tracking other deer that morning. Yeah. And this was his third third track of the day. And he he'd actually been, oh, he was probably only 15 or 20 minutes from our place. And then drove back to his house and had just gotten home and then had to come back. So that's what he meant. <laughs> right. And no, I mean, that's, yeah. So three calls in one day by two o'clock for him. Yeah. And his phone was ringing like multiple times while we were out there tracking. Where eventually <laughs> I think he just shut it off. <laughs> it's like, dude, it's a yeah, dude. I mean, that is, I think that is so cool. Like uh, just the fact that, um, that, you know, it took you hours and you're kind of like concerned about it, go leaving him, coming back, leaving him, coming back. And you're mm -hmm. confined. And I think it's so amazing that he just like, 
I I love like I even if I like saw a deer die, I would call like if I knew he ran a hundred yards and died, I knew it was like a double lung. I yeah. may call blood tracker just to be like, hey guys, I have a dead deer. Would you like to run your dog on this? Dude, dude, absolutely. And and he had mentioned a couple of times. I mean, they have they him and his wife both do this, and they both have multiple dogs that they bring with them, and they both have puppies in their truck that like they're looking for that like uh uh a gimme basically right to get that puppy on one and have the reward at the end of like mm-hmm. yep this is what you do so like oh man it was incredible like i would absolutely recommend it to like anyone who's like dude i don't know if i hit him good i don't know him bad and, or like say like if you know it's better than a doornail be like hey if you want bring your dog out here like i don't know that i want to pay you for him or anything but like if you want to train him <laughs> have at it you know right but yeah like the best thing i mean the best thing you could do is not not go try to trail it yourself right like that muddies up the waters i mean it, it didn't seem to really impact this dog much but like i would i would say that the, that the dog trailing took 10 minutes at the most and if we wouldn't have been down there and muddied it up, it probably would have been like five minutes. Like, yeah, that simple. It, the, it got confused around that bed, which took it maybe two or three minutes to kind of get that sorted out. And then it was like, oh yeah, here we go. <laughs> it was. Oh, like, it was just, I think that's just so. That is so cool. Yeah. I think it's just so cool. And it's really cool. I've watched a dog work twice and it's just yeah. so cool to watch that dog work too. Oh yeah. Cause it, I mean, you're just like, is there even blood here? And like you, I mean, you forgot to say this, but like you didn't even find, you found like a couple of drops after that yeah. dog turned and like, yeah. So that was when, when we got back onto the road and the dog was just going me and me and the guy were both talking. I was like, I don't know. Like she seems like she's like, on the trail but like neither of us have seen blood and we'd gone at you know zigzagging we'd gone whatever 20 or 30 yards at that point it's like oh, i don't know no blood 30 yards like and i was looking like hard right like yeah really yeah. hard and i didn't find any blood until it was basically turned to go over that fence and then there was one drop like oh okay yeah like she's on this thing for sure <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Yeah, that is, I think that is just really cool um, in general. And then also obviously that you found the deer, right? Yeah. I mean, we were all sitting there and you sent, sent the text out. It's just like yeah. found him. Everybody was all jacked up. Like, yes, he found him. He's dead. And you're like deader than a doornail, been there forever. You know, yeah. who knows? Like I'm willing to bet you he died in that first 45 minutes. He ran up, bedded down, got up, ran downhill again, and then died on the other side of that fence. Yeah. But I I think so too. I really do. Especially seeing, you know, after after cleaning him, it was like, man, I mean, they're tough animals. You never really know, but like, yeah, I don't I don't think if I would have jumped him, I'd think he would have gone farther for one. And if I did jump him, I don't think he like like it almost seemed like he kind of died on the spot, like he didn't bed down right there. 
Mm. Like he wasn't really in like a thicket. He wasn't next to any kind of like down tree or log or anything. It was like just after the multiflower rose started. So like it wasn't super thick yet. It was just kind of like a not good bedding spot. <laughs> I mean, he was laying there on his side, right? Like kind of starting to bloat up a little bit. So like I couldn't tell. But like I almost think he died. Like he stood there and fell over dead. Right. I don't know. Total guess, but that's what it seemed like. Yeah. So you meant like you mentioned one thing. How much did you pay for this guy? You did mention pay. Yeah. So he was he was 125 bucks. Um, and I threw him a little bone too, just as a thank you. Yeah, thank you. Big time. Like yeah. Which I mean, in my eyes, if if I wouldn't have had him come there. I do think I would have found that deer. Like he was in a spot that I would have checked. Um, but it might not have been until the next day. The coyotes might have had him completely demolished or the meat might have been a hundred percent spoiled, right? Like yeah. In in my eyes, it was a it was a hunter not much money in the scheme of things to get a fully recovered deer with the meat still good. I mean, I had a little bit of meat loss just because I was playing it safe. Like, realistically, deer was fine. Yeah. No, that's so. all. Yeah. So, and I think that's, I think that, like, that's extremely reasonable for a guy to drive, you know, 45 yeah. minutes to, like, one to there and then back yeah. plus spend. I, you know, granted, he only spent 10 minutes with you, but yeah. fuck, like, it is two hours. It's two and a half hours worth of work. He yeah. doesn't know that. Right. He has no clue what he's getting into, right? Like what someone describes versus what you actually see can be very different things. Right. So like, oh boy. Yeah. And I remember Tim back to your point about muddying the waters. The one thing that Tim was like said was do not take your whole family from the cabin and go out and grid search and everyone walk over the blood and you don't mark the blood or anything and everybody go everywhere. And then yeah. afterwards call me. Don't yeah. do that. Like that's yep. a bad idea. When you are unsure about the hit, call mm -hmm. me. Yeah. Like that's that's what he's always said. Like, and for me, that means like if you think you gut shot him, if you don't know where you hit, you you're not shooting a lighted knock, something happened funny, you didn't get a look at it, you go yeah. and check your arrow, and that deer is not 30 yards from where you can see it. Call right. him. Like right. call him, talk to him an opinion is free. They're going to talk to you for 10 minutes. They're going to give you an opinion. Yeah. That'll yep. be free. Right. So, yeah. and I called Tim last year on that buck that I shot to round this all back through. And he was like, yeah, that sounds like a dead deer. Sounds like a very mm -hmm. dead deer, but I would give him overnight because mm -hmm. he, and his words were, if you jump him, you're going to give the coyotes more of a blood trail. Mm -hmm. If yeah. you let them lay, it's a smaller blood trail for the coyotes to pick up. He's like, dude, mm -hmm. I, it, you could you could do worse you could do better but my yeah. opinion hopefully he bedded down just outside the field edge there and he's like mm -hmm. kind of tucked in 30 yards and you're going to be fine that yeah. wasn't the case but he didn't know and i didn't know you know you never mm -hmm. know what's going to happen so yeah. um so yeah there's there's that and the other thing that i wanted to talk about was you did have like a little bit of meat loss and i want to talk about the shot because that mm -hmm. was like when I looked at it, when you brought them back and you, when we hung them up, I was like, this wasn't a double lung. Yeah, dude. 
It's one of those. This is the this is uh, this is the third animal now that I can say has been hit in spots that make you go, "What the fuck is that all about?" <laughs> like it does. Uh, like Brenda, a deer that Brenda, my wife, shot uh, a few years back, was one of those. The elk I shot last year, never found was one of those and this one and like yeah I, I mean it's hard to it's hard to sell it right without showing pictures of here's the entrance and here's the exit but like when you look at them it's like oh yeah like that's like like we're not even talking last rib right like you hear guys no. that are like yeah, yeah i think i got it in the last you know tucked it in the last rib like probably got both lungs this is like mid rib Center of the rib cage. On maybe sides, maybe though. a maybe a rib back or maybe two ribs back on the exit side. But like that would be like yeah, right? Center of the rib cage, let's call it. So after and not to get like super duper graphic, but like while I was gutting him, right? I was very interested in seeing what the hell happened here. Especially when I got to him and I saw the holes. I really wasn't. Oh, I, I, I wasn't low. If anything, I was maybe an inch or two right of where I was aiming, right? That was it. And uh, so I opened him up. I mean, he was bloated. So, like, stomach was swelling, like, ready to pop, basically, which keep that in the back of your mind. I cut, so I slice up past all that, cut the diaphragm. And I reached in to, you know, kind of grab like the esophagus and the heart. And like, it just felt so like bristly, felt weird. Right. And I pulled my hand out and it was just completely full of gut material inside of the diaphragm, inside of the chest cavity. I'm going, what? <laughs> As I'm looking at his bloated stomach. Like, okay, like that's interesting. So I, whatever, slice and dice and pull everything out. And yeah, his entire chest cavity is, I mean, it, there was like acorns bloating in there and corn and hay, everything, right? But his gut was still like, and maybe it was just like how it was sitting, but like it wasn't deflating. It was stayed, it, like, like there was a hole in it or something. Like it stayed whole. Didn't I wish I would have taken a little more time and like looked for a hole in that? Whatever, wrote it off as well. I must have somehow hit the guts, right? The liver was completely untouched. I looked at the liver because I thought it would be a liver hit. Completely untouched. One lung had a broadhead hole, basically center lung, I'll call it. Maybe just a squirt back. And that was the entrance side. The exit side, the back of the lung, I didn't, I couldn't tell a hundred percent if it was from the broadhead. It, it, the back of the lung just kind of seemed a little bit shredded, chopped up. I don't know if it was for sure from the broadhead or like if my knife hit it or something. So I, I don't, I don't know on that one. I might have nicked it. I might have missed it. But like, ultimately, somehow got one lung, maybe two guts and no liver 
And ultimately, I think that gut material just plugged his cavity eventually to the point where it, he stopped bleeding. And that's where I think, I think he, I, I actually think that might have happened when he bedded down. And then he had a hard time breathing, stood up to like, what the hell's going on, moved off. And then, like I say, essentially died on the move just from not being able to breathe. Best guess. No clue if that's actually what happened, but best guess. No, that's, <laughs> I, yeah. And I agree. Like that's, that's wild. So, um, and just to give you guys a, an example, we had the archery shoot this year and Parker was, Parker was 12 ringing the shoot off. We had Parker was 12 ringing guys at like 50 and 60 yards on these, on these targets. So Parker's a good, Parker's a pretty good shot. And when he was like, dude, I'm pretty sure I hit him good, but I'm thinking one lung and a liver. Like, I don't know. He was like pretty much broadside, maybe a, a hair quartering too, but pretty much broadside. And he pulls the deer and he hangs them up and you look at the holes. You're like, that's a double dead center, double lung. Like yeah. that's what you're looking at with both of those holes. And I took pictures of them. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm just like, and even like, even after we peeled off, you know, we caped them out and everything you're looking at that and you like, you're ready to cut them up. And you're like, I just, I don't understand. I don't understand. Yeah. Like, yeah. like that's, that's exactly where anyone in their right mind would have wanted to hit the deer. Right. Right. <laughs> like a broad, like, yeah. I mean, it like I say, it doesn't doesn't right? make sense, and that's where I say like, I think weird stuff happens when you play with the back end of the lungs a little bit when they're exhaling or inhaling, and like it's like going back to my wife's deer. I somehow this is this is theory that the thing was taking a deep breath when the arrow hit it. Right <laughs> entrance hole was behind the diaphragm exit hole was behind the diaphragm double lung shot two broad head holes in both lungs bled basically nothing because all of the bleeding happened in front of the diaphragm but the exit holes were behind it I the deer ran 100 yards it was dead but we had zero blood trail to follow at night had to come back the next day and basically walked into the thing. Like, it's just one of the other, like, unexp- like how? How does that happen, right? And, like, I feel like something similar happened with this one somehow. Yeah. This is coming from a non-biologist. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's probably some biologists out there just like, this guy's a- well yeah duh parker when a deer takes a deep breath this happens right and tim tim was saying like dude that liver can do funny squirrel things he did yeah when he when i talked to him he had he had some really good feedback um and he said i mean ultimately that liver can be contorted into some really weird angles where it's basically like if you if you're basically like don't count on a liver shot being a liver shot like (laughs) assume it was worse if you think it was a liver shot because you might have missed it even though it's right where the liver should be right yeah kind of like no okay well that's uh that's good to know (laughs) (laughs) no no that's cool i uh 
Yeah, I appreciate the story. Um, we're rolling into close to close to two hours here. Um, was there? I'm just trying to think of anything else. Um, I know you and I will we can talk forever on this stuff, but yeah, I mean, where that shot was, where you think it would be, I mean, you would expect it to have died on the four wheel trail, like yeah. 40 yards, and see ya, All right? And just been like, yep, I'll drive the four wheeler right to it, and we'll call it a day, and we'll have tenderloin for dinner right (laughs) so but no i think that was i I, i'm very happy that there was a happy ending to that for us not the deer but um but yeah um as far as the and as far as the meat loss goes that you said like because the guts got all over everything on the inside kind of took a little bit out of that inside yeah and and like i say i mean it, it it probably sat like that for four or five yeah he was he was like yeah i will say he was stinkier than you would think he was he was pretty stinky but like i say i was just i was pretty conservative with the trimming yeah just because yeah yeah still got a basically a cooler bowl of meat out of him which was very good oh yeah for sure no that's cool um well, yeah. So now, and now you're playing Daddy Duty the rest of the season. Yeah, pretty much. We Daddy got Duty. we got a couple weekends lined up still with uh, parents and in laws watching the kids. So nice. And to I don't know. I'll I'll be back out there. Whether I'll what I'll be doing, I don't know. Maybe yeah, you'll be twenty two. Might have a camera. Might have nothing. I don't know. But I just can't not go out there. <laughs> yeah, you got to be like. I don't, you know, you go out there and you'd be like, Brenda, you go sit here. I'm going to go squirrel hunt over here and be like, dude, you're in the wrong spot. I am like, sitting dude, here I trying to poke squirrels giant. and here comes these giants. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, get over here now. Yeah, that's <laughs> probably what's going to happen. <laughs> right. So yeah, Parker and I may do some filming, may do some squirrel hunting, may do some daddy duty and just hanging out whatever it is with the wives i did ask Allie, my wife i was like what are we doing for like halloween weekend she's like um halloween <laughs> i was like all right she's like yeah we're gonna go to my family's side because they always have that halloween party and we're gonna go get the kids trick-or-treating she's like why don't don't plan on hunting that weekend <laughs> i was like all right well I will plan on other weekends. She's like, yes. Once, and she said the other night, she's like, yeah, once volleyball's over, like go, go do your thing. I appreciate yeah. you. I appreciate all this. Like go do your thing. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I I'll be down and running around and whatnot and we'll run into each other and maybe go take some deer out of Luke and Nick's property and whatnot too. So yeah. we'll see where the, see where the fall takes us, man. Yeah, man, that sounds good. Maybe sneak in and out of state if I fill my tag early. Oh boy, you yeah, get out there if you're talking about early, man. Well, I mean, I'm <laughs> talking the end of October. Like if I fill it before November first, okay. like the second week of November would be a great. We got another red moon coming, like November 11th to like the 15th or 16th. I think would be. Is it? a few solid days to go yeah i don't i don't november 7th dude everybody like november 7th is the number one day to kill bucks like per per pope and young and per boone and crockett book november 7th is the best day 
I've never done well on November 7th. You know, yeah, I've always, I always try to hunt that day. And it's like, I feel like I see a lot of small bucks. Honestly, the, the day that stands out to me from like trail cams, big bucks in daylight is November 11th. I like, dude, I like that. I like that. I like, like you have the rut, which Mm -hmm. is like in theory. So this is another, yeah, I, I got to make some videos on this, but like the rut is when the does are in heat and the does can be in heat at different times. The, the quote unquote rut is just when the most amount of does are in heat, which is right. The be it's a bell curve. Some does come into heat right now, October 17th. Like you will see like chasing and does can get bred in the next week. Like it's entirely possible, but it's just very few amount, very low amount. And then as like November 7th, 8th, 9th hit, that bell curve gets higher and more and more and more does come into estrus. And then after that, it falls off, right? I mean, that's essentially how it works. Like you get more and more and more, and then you get less and less and less. And so like, I feel like if you're either, you can like certainly be in it, but if you're, if the does on the property that you're hunting, you say you have eight does and they come in late October, like your property is no good. November 7th, yeah. if all eight are already spent and they're already bred, like you, I mean, you'll get, you'll get cruisers for sure, but you're not going to get bucks that are hanging around there for a day or two. Right. Right. right? You know? Yeah. So it's just like one of those things. Like I remember last year, the day was November, I think sixth or fifth on our, yeah, it was, it was earlier than the seventh. I remember that, but there were four shooters on the property between like three and seven thirty AM all right mm-hmm. by the cabin. And there yeah. was one doe in there and I had multiple, they were just burning rubber in there. Um, but I mean, and then after that, there was just like was cold Turkey for the next six days, like huh. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Until you get like the stragglers is kind of like Turkey hunting you get the big toms at the end of the season that come through, like finding those hot does, trying to find mm-hmm. those like hot hens or whatever. The ones that haven't been bred, you get those bucks wandering through from the 11th to the 15th. They start getting a little bit more desperate. They get a little bit more movement in them. They're like, all right, I got to start hunting now. Like, and then they, they got, get going. They got a taste and now they want the rest of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> exactly. Well, I got, you know, in their mind, they got two more weeks to fuck, dude, <laughs> until they got to wait 365 days yeah, again. Exactly. Um, but yeah, dude, I would, if I did end up filling that tag, like I would like to shoot one of those, one of those good bucks that I have on camera. But if something else came in, like I'd be interested in that too. Yeah. Um, if I did, I would go down to that Illinois property that you and I looked at like seven years ago. Public. Yeah. Dude, I haunted that like what yeah. four, five years ago and that was i had a great time there yeah. i had two days there and i had a great time and i would go back to that with you the problem is is i slept in my truck so we'd have to do something a little bit different than that because i'm not sleeping with you but <laughs> we get a hotel room or something yeah uh, that's doable yeah all right well hey man wife sign off. yeah <laughs> that's right all right. Well, hey, dude, thank you for uh, thank you for spending the time hopping on so quick. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. And if people want to find you, they can't because you're not oh. on the socials. Oh, good luck. <laughs> right. 
just buy a, a diesel a diesel truck from Dodge. Yeah, support my uh, support my work. Right, Parker works at Cummins. That's all. That's all we're gonna get. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Really appreciate it. If you guys enjoyed the podcast, enjoyed the conversation, please like, subscribe, tell your friends, tell people about it. That really helps. And also, if you could leave a review, that is extremely helpful. Thank you so much for listening. Best of luck to everybody out there. Remember, uh, United, it's unitedbloodtrackers.org. Something something like that. Bloodtrackersunited.org, United Blood Trackers. I forget which one it is. Look that up. They're all over the place. Go check those guys out um, because they can really, really be helpful, and especially in scenarios like this. Parker had this guy's phone number. I looked it up. There were four other people we could have called in the area that we would have had options for if this guy couldn't have made it. Because at that point, like, I was was advocating for a dog even before Parker got back. I was like, if he doesn't find him, like, we should get a dog on this. Like, hopefully he doesn't go far. Um, But, yeah. I mean, getting a dog on these kind of trails is like Parker says, first time doing it. He's like, yeah, all day, (laughs) all day. It's cool. It's cool to watch. Cool to see. And you're very likely to get a definitive answer. And we did talk to Tim about that as well. And I'm trying to wrap this podcast up, but he said he was on three tracks that day already as well. One recovery and two that he definitively proved were non-lethal hits by finding the deer alive. So he's like, yeah, this thing's running off and it's non-lethal. You were good. Like you just fucked up your shop. So check those guys out for sure. Unitedbloodtrackers.org. And yeah, thank you everybody for listening. Catch you next time.